In episode 30 of MobyCast, John and Chris talk about how Kelsis handles application-level logging for their microservices running on ECS. Welcome to MobyCast, a weekly conversation about containerization, Docker, and modern software deployment. Let's jump right in. All right. Hey, Chris. Welcome to another MobyCast. Hey, John. How's it going? Good, except I'm a little nervous about whether we'll be able to pull this off because unfortunately we're missing Rich. And, the, you know, Rich is our producer and he he helps us put this together and make sure that everything flows. And also just having him listen helps keep keep me grounded and make sure that, you know, as, as I talk to you and learn from you, that we try to keep things understandable. So without Rich, I'm feeling a little out there hanging in the wind, but we're going to try this without him and, and see how it goes. Yeah, time to push ourselves out of the nest. <laughs> right. He should be back next week, though. We miss him. Yes. Um, yeah, so this week we're going to talk about logging. And logging is essentially, you know, everything from, you know, it's, it helps you with everything from just troubleshooting and seeing what your apps are doing to running entire businesses. Google, for example, a lot of the data that they move around and use for everything comes through their logs as opposed to, you know, relational databases. So I I guess we're going to talk about specifically how Kelsis has been doing application logging with ECS, right? Yep, you bet. So definitely a pretty important part of the the tool set when running production workloads. Um, Having that that view into how your services are running, how they're performing. Um, are there problems? Are there problems? Be, maybe you can anticipate problems. Um, and logs are a great source of this. But it's it's also it's kind of comprehensive to get it all set up from A to Z. Um, so thought today we would talk about how Calsis does this for its containerized microservices running on ECS. Right. Definitely quite a bit different using ECS and using containerized services than maybe back in the day if you were using Log4J for your Java projects. I mean, not that Log4J can't be involved in this setup, but there are certain things you have to do that maybe you didn't used to have to do when your servers were your pets. Absolutely. And we'll totally get into that because there's there's still there's still a bit of that um, that culture, if you will, of like printf entering function, printf exiting function type thing, right? And that's that's kind of like again, you know, the way that it worked when you when you had pets. Um, but when you have cattle, that stuff is completely worthless to you. Um, and so that's what we're gonna talk about today is com- compare and contrast some of that stuff as well. I used to use high JC for for my log prefix to make sure that I could see my log lines. And I knew how tired I was and how much sleep I had gotten, depending on whether any high JCs got into the production branch. <laughs> they sometimes. <laughs> a, so just, so just to be, so just to be, at first I thought like high JC, like oh that's is that like a sports drink or is that a fruit juice? And it's like <laughs> oh no, it's like hello JC your initials. So it's like right, right, right. It's your own personal salutation. Like hey, uh, this is my log. It's a signature. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. It was the, art, it was the artist signing his work. <laughs> All right. So let's jump right in. It looks like we're going to start with talking about log sources and why we're logging. Just get, get into that a bit more deeply. Go ahead, Chris. Sure. So we've already kind of touched on this a, a little bit, but like, so logging, why do it? Um, there's many types of logs that you can have out there. Um, and they're all just pieces of the puzzle that can be that can be useful if if done well. 
Um, and if you can actually make meaning of them, obviously there's other ways of getting input and you know get, getting the visibility into your services, understanding how they're operating. Um, so various metrics and um, looking at other um, parameters on your services, but, but logging forms a, a core of that. And you also have, this is complete control over it. Um, and in particular application level logs give you the fundamental insight into your actual application and how it works. And that's not something you can really get um, in a general purpose way. Like you can like say for like, how's my memory consumption working? Or it's like, what does my CPU load look like? Those are general purpose and you can get those for free. You really don't have to do anything, but like, what does it mean to know like how many of my upload image requests are failing or how long do they take to execute? Like that kind of stuff, like only your application knows about that. It's application specific Um, and application level logging is one of the things that you can do to light up visibility into that. So some really great benefits um, to be able to just instrument your service at the application level um, you can derive metrics from it. You can derive performance uh, calculations and, and, and its associated metrics. And you can also understand just the overall health of the system, where requests are failing, um, context around those failures, whatever kind of information context you want to put in the log. So super important, super useful. Um, and it's just definitely considered to be one of those, those core things in the tool belt when, when building productionized services uh, in the cloud. Agreed. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that that's happening a lot more regularly now, especially with tools like Splunk and just watching what other big companies are doing is even driving, driving machine learning with logging. So it's it's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and that's, um, we'll kind of get into this a little bit more, but this is the, one of the, the consequences of going from, from pets to cattle and just scalability and, and having multiples of things. So, you know, in the past, you know, it was, uh, logging was, was really meant to be, or, or it was for developer eyes, um, or DevOps mm-hmm. eyes. Right. So like you would actually, when something's going wrong, you need to analyze it. You would probably be tailing a log file or you would be opening, you know, downloading it and uploading it and, you know, looking at it in an editor, searching through it, um, trying to find, you know, just looking at it with your eyeballs to see what's going on. And it would read sequentially, right? Like it was because you, you really, you probably only had one of these things. And so you could read that log file sequentially. It was the entire picture and that kind of worked. And so having things like um, log messages, like I'm entering this function now and now I'm exiting it, like it, it worked. It was, it was useful. But once you go from one to many, like this doesn't work anymore. Right. Cause now it's from, from synchronous to asynchronous too. Absolutely. Right. So it's like you have multiple requests going on, on the same service. So those, that logging for each one of those concurrent requests is being interleaved with each other. So it no longer reads sequentially. And then not only that, you, you have just a slice of the overall view into the system. Um, so especially if you don't have server-based affinity for your requests coming in and off your load balancer, a single user making a series of calls may be bounced across multiple servers. So you can't see the entire flow of, of what they did looking at a single log file. So, right. Yeah. So 
definitely much more um, much more complicated now. Now that we're we have multiple machines, we have um, multiple concurrent requests. Um, so it's really no longer something that you can really read by looking at these log files um, with your eyeballs. Instead, if you need I, help. If I had a log file of my entire life, I could know how much of it I've spent tailing log files. And let me tell you, that number is non-trivial. <laughs> and, and I think that's that's true for anyone um, <laughs> that you know has more than um, you know five years of experience in this space. And actually, the truth is, I. I suspect there's actually a lot of folks out there that still, still do that, right. That still live in that world. So, um, right. Oh yeah. So we've, we've all been there and, and absolutely, um, I as well. And I'm back in the day when I was building backend services for, for Microsoft and trying to deploy a, a, a service into our data center, we didn't have really great test environments, right. To simulate, um, the usage patterns and whatnot. So there was always some kind of unexpected surprises. We were also at the, 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 the beginning edge of that, right? It was like, how do you even build a build web applications and backend services? So spent lots of times in the data center. Um, also cause we couldn't remote in like that didn't, that didn't mm-hmm. exist. And so looking at log files in this, in this ice cold data center, <laughs> standing at a rack, <laughs> um, yeah, that, uh, I've definitely paid my dues doing that, and so glad I don't have to do that anymore. Thanks to all these right, right. rules. So, and you bring up a great point with things like ML and, and AI. Like, what a what a treasure trove of data for these things to be pointed at. Because a lot of this stuff absolutely can be there's patterns and can be automated and sleuthed out to to. To even to do more of the the forensic analysis as well as the predictive analysis, I think so. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of lots of lots of interesting possibilities. Right. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about log sources. Sure. So, so we talked about we're really going to focus on application level logging, but like there's all sorts yep. of of sources of logs that um, may or may not be useful to you. So there's definitely. Um, Logs produced by your your operating system environment, so uh, system logs. Um, there are logs produced by relevant uh, dependencies in your system. So, like for example, if you're running your like like as we are running our containerized applications on ECS, there's ECS logs um, to kind of tell us what happens is like um, jobs are being being scheduled to run and how does initiation go versus like when they get terminated, how does that happen? So there's logs output by that. So lots of different sources of logs out there. Um, and again, they all have their, their usefulness for whatever, whatever it is that they're, they're outputting, but we're going to focus on the application level logs, um, for the rest of this. Sounds great. Hey, this is Rich. Please pardon this quick interruption. We recently passed an internal milestone of 10,000 listens, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you for the support. I was also hoping to encourage you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review or a rating. Positive feedback and constructive criticism are both incredibly important to us. So give us an idea of how we're doing, and we'll promise to keep publishing new episodes every week. All right, let's dive back in. So yeah, let's get right into it and talk about log structure. Sure, so with application level logging, you have lots and lots of choices, right? And there's, there's, um, lots of ways to, to set this up. Um, lots of design decisions, um, questions and answers. So we're going to kind of talk about just 
um, maybe some of those inflection points and just best practices that we employ at Kelsys. So maybe to start off with like log structure. So when you when you're logging your application level logs, you're you're in your code somewhere. You you've decided that some some event is meaningful to be persisted into into as a log event. Um, you know, have a choice of well, what does that what does that look like? Um, and so in the past, a lot of logs have just been string based, right? So you're just as we kind of talked about printf or console log, you know error happened, you know, this was my input and here's the error code or something like that. And it's just one string that just gets emitted. And so you can, you can do that. And, and, you know, there are uh, libraries out there that, and you can use regular expressions and you can use parsing libraries to kind of, to pull out the semantics of that string. Um, But it's pretty difficult. So another way of handling your logging is to actually define an actual schema to your logs, right? So have some some very general purpose structure where you, you these things kind of look similar, right? So think of it more as like an object as opposed to a string. Um, and one of the great um, tools for or the formats for doing this with, is JSON. And so this is what we do at Kelsys with our application level logs. Um, each log event is simply a JSON object. And that JSON object, every one of those has some some core schema that's there for every type of event, regardless of what it is. Um, so things like um, what's my timestamp? Um, so when when was this emitted? Um, what is the the host name um, from where this was was emitted? What other metadata about the actual context of the log event that is that is common across any type of event? Um, and then you can extend that, right? And you can add additional pieces to it for um, for uh, for events that need more specialized information with it. But you have this overall core standard-based structure, um, and now parsing it becomes super easy, right? Because you can just go and say, like, if you want to get all the logs from a particular host, um, it becomes really easy, right? You're just, everything's a JSON object, so you're just doing a JSON search, um, and you can say, I know that for each one of these log events, it has a host name property. So where host name property equals the host I'm looking for, pull back all those log events and now you can go search it. So, um, right. And something that's, something that's kind of funny that you, that I just wanted to, to point to is that you said Kelsys does this JSON format now, and that's what we always do. But what's funny is that the very first time we ever did that was when you were working for one of Kelsys's former clients. So you weren't, you weren't the VP of technology of Kelsys at the time, Chris. And, and we decided to use JSON log formatting uh, for a mobile app that we were doing for that client. And that was kind of new uh, because, I mean, despite the fact that server logging has been modern and up-to-date in terms of how, how formatting gets done, et cetera, for many years, it, for a few years in the iOS development world, you know, it was just like NS log. And then finally we got some logging tools, one, one called uh, Lumberjack that, that I think we still may use. And then, and then just the idea of shipping those logs off of the device and getting them out of there so that you can look at them because they have a tendency to get trapped on devices. Like all of that was new. And I think that was about 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, ever since then, it's just been a no-brainer. Use JSON for your logs. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so maybe moving on, 
another thing that you can do with your logs to structure them is to kind of define in general what the log event represents, like what level of severity or context it has, right? So this brings into the idea of the concept of, of log levels. Um, and this has been an idea that's been out there for, for quite some time. So, you know, you mentioned earlier, like log4j, um, it has it has the idea of, of log levels, but definitely to do this, you, you, you need that structured format. So these log levels, again, inform just what level of um, severity or detail you're, you're logging at. So some typical log levels would be debug. So this is for events that are being emitted that really, you know, these are kind of like I'm just trying to figure out something maybe locally on my development environment or um, uh, really just in, in test mode type thing. It's it's pretty verbose. Um, and I, I wouldn't want something like that emitted during production, right? It's really just for a troubleshooting type thing. You'd all, Some other events would be like info, um, and that would be at a, at a higher level of, of context where this is something that's... Um, more meaningful and more relevant to normal um, production usage, but uh, and, it, and it might help inform the overall context of, of what's going on in the system. But it's not; it's just it's just purely for informational purposes. Another one would be warning. So this is you know a log level that you'd use to say like, hey, something something unexpected happened, but uh, you know it's 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 not it's not. It's not a real. It's not really an error. Like we've we handled the the code has handled it. Um, it can still operate normally. It doesn't really require any intervention um, or remediation. However, probably something you want to look at and be aware of, right? So log it at the warning level, um, and then error. So the error level represents like, hey, something unexpected happened. Really, this represents it's a bug. It's um, you know, something wrong with, 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 uh, the host that it's running on, um, something that really needs someone to look at it. It needs someone to have, um, it needs attention paid to it. So, so having these various log levels and as your application emits these log events, um, picking the right level becomes pretty important too, because you can filter on this stuff as well. So we have these structured log events, We've already talked about um, now you have these log levels. It gives you another filter, right? So you can say, go show me all the log events where their level is warning. Um, and now you can see that and you can do it across all your hosts in one swoop. And and you can further filter that based upon what kind of schema you set up for your, your JSON logs to, to further refine that. So it becomes really useful. I have some thoughts about um, what level to set your production logs at that are a bit nuanced. So... I think maybe a while back, people wanted to try to figure out a way to, you know, only set their production log levels at warn, which is sort of horrible because then you lose all that, you know, glorious information that you have in the info level that can be used for metrics and analytics and other things. So it's just, it's just clear that you want to be always saving and storing info and above because info is going to be where you get a lot of really valuable data. So for sure, you want to save that data in production. So that's one thing. But then another thing occurs to me, which is that, and I could be wrong on this. Like, I, I'm just not sure what's what's going on with, with the speed of machines and, and capabilities these days. But it almost feels to me like in an ideal world, you would even keep debug level logs. You just have them, leave them on if you could. 
or or like you know very low lying troubleshooting level blog statements if you could uh, with that, if it doesn't actually slow down your application because you know if there's valuable information in there that is going to help you troubleshoot a problem then then a problem happens and you're not actually saving that information then you've got to go make the problem happen again in order to do the troubleshooting so it seems like you know in a perfect world you'd be able to do something like say okay, store these, but just keep them around for 24 hours or for 48 hours. Uh, and then they don't need to go into the permanent record, but, you know, it'd be nice if we could just keep them. I think the, re- you know, the only reasons not to do that would be if, A, there's some sensitive information in the debug logs that you're just not allowed to ever store, or B, that there's so much debug, debug logging that you're absolutely, you know, you're sure that you're slowing down in your system and costing, you know, significantly more for your deployment and you just need to save that money save that processing cost, um, which would be sort of sad. But do you, you, you see, see what I'm saying? Like, boy, it's a, you're, you're bummed when you have to make a problem happen again in order to troubleshoot it. Yeah, and, you know, part of this comes down to the art and science of how, what, when you log an event and what you emit with it. Um, and part of this just comes with, with experience. So I think from, like, look, thinking back, for the, the projects that I've worked on, I, I think it's been a long time for me where it was like, oh, I can't, I don't have the log information I need in production because it just wasn't being emitted. Um, so I, I think part mm-hmm. of it is just, you know, being bitten by that a few times, you can kind of understand. Like there, there's a very specific use for like the debug verbose output. And it really is kind of more like this is the stuff that you need to get to code complete. Um, but then after that, it's, it's probably not too terribly useful type thing. Well, here's, um, here's the most common example of this. When you're doing your debug level logging, a lot of times you, you log the entire SQL statements and then you kind of try not to do that in production. At least that's the way it used to be with sort of 2008 through 10 or 12 Rails applications. But now it's like, how many times are, are you trying to troubleshoot something and you're like, oh, I wish I could see the SQL so that I could see, you know, if, if I'm troubleshooting a performance problem or something, you know, trying to find a deadlock in the database or something, I sure wish I could look at that SQL and crap, I can't because we don't log it because, you know, that's the best practice not to do that. So now I've got to go make it happen again with SQL logging turned on. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it just, it kind of... Um... I think it just it boils down to the specific situation. I, I think I mean there's there may very well be some situations where like for whatever reason you're building a, a complicated SQL statement um, at runtime um, and it's super complicated um, and involving multiple tables and joins and 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 everything else. Mm-hmm. Like for me personally, I might it might do something like for those more complicated things, like I might actually include that as part of the info level logging, right? Cause I, I might know like, okay, this, this is like really, really hairy. And every once in a while there is a problem with it. And I can always rebuild that SQL statement by just running locally on my machine, right. And see what it is if I want. Um, but it's, it's a bit of a hassle. So maybe I'll output it as part of my info level log, um, just to have that additional context to make it easier. So now I can actually see what that, what that complicated SQL query looked like after being built up with the, with the runtime inputs. Um, right. Right. 
But I mean, I wouldn't do it for like, you, obviously you don't need that for everything, right? Like there's a bunch of SQL logging that you would never want to see because it's just so terribly boring. Right, right. Yeah, just a thought. I, it's It just occurred to me because there's certainly been times when I've been troubleshooting a problem and it's like, oh, better turn on SQL logging so I can see what's going on with the database. It's got to be somewhere in this these SQL statements that there's a problem. Right. Uh, I think that probably gives, you know, that's, we've gotten a good start, right? We've been talking about logging. We've been talking about formats. We've been talking about log levels. I don't know if we've, we've really covered, we have another line here in our outline about what and when to admit, to admit. And I think that's what we were just talking about, unless there was some more you wanted to add to that before we wrap up. I think that's actually a pretty interesting point. And it's, um, I think it makes sense to spend some, a bit more time diving into that one because it's definitely one of the, the nuances and one of the, Areas that I see developers making a lot of mistakes, so I okay. think we save that for next time and use that to to begin to pick up. All right. Well, sounds good. It was great talking to you about this today. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, John. See you later. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward slash three zero. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you, and we'll see you again next week.